Amen. Well, tomorrow we celebrate Labor Day, and I just want to, in advance, say happy Labor Day to everybody. Amen. How many know it's a good thing to do the work of the Lord? It's a good thing to labor, and we do not labor in vain, right? So we celebrate Labor Day, but we don't just celebrate in the church. We don't celebrate Labor Day just because of the work we do, but for the work of the Lord that we do. Amen. And so we take Labor Day to another level, right? Amen. So remember that tomorrow. So, well, good morning, everyone. It's so good to, to see everybody in the house this morning. And, well, we can't see you online, but it's still good to have you. And uh, we're just glad that you chose to join us this morning to be a part of this. And whether you're in-house this morning or whether you're joining us online, we want to connect with you. It's very important that we have a connection, that we make a connection, and we keep a connection with you to know what's going on in your life and to be able to pray with you and to uh, just be connected. And so if you're here in the house, if you would just take your connection card this morning, we ask this every week. This is so important to us that we ask you to do this every single week. If you would complete your connection card, fill out that prayer request on the back so that we can pray with you uh, throughout this week and that the, everyone who comes on Wednesdays to our prayer service, by the way, this Wednesday is first Wednesday and we will have a special uh, first Wednesday service. So we invite you to come out this week at, uh, from 6 to 7, and we will pray, we will worship, we will declare things on the Lord, and I believe miracles will take place. Amen? And if you're joining us online this morning, we want to connect with you. All you have to do is text the word for life, the number for the word life, to 94,000, and that will give us the opportunity for you to connect with us and us to connect with you. Give us your prayer request. Whether you're on a line or in here, we still want to pray for you. We want to know what's going on in your life, and we can be involved that way uh, in praying for you. Amen? Amen? Also, there's another way to connect. How many know there's another way to connect in the church? And that is by supporting the things that God is doing with our tithes and our offerings. How many know that, that tithing is not giving its faithfulness to God? Amen? Amen? Giving and then giving of our offerings is out of our generosity and abundance. We want to thank those of you who are faithful with your tithes and who are generous with the abundance that God has given you. And so we just encourage you to give today. There's four ways to give, and, and uh, we want to encourage you to give any of those four ways, and uh, I like my text giving. I'm pretty partial to that, and it works out real well, but uh, you choose, and just give, be generous, and be faithful. Amen? Well, uh, if you notice on your seats this morning, there's a card. It's this green card. Uh, Tiffany mentioned it in pre-service today, and on Sunday, October 16th, we're going to be launching a new kids program, a kids program that we're really excited about. We want to regather families, regather kids. We want to see kids come and be excited. Every time a child comes out of there, they're excited, they're happy. We just need to tell the rest of the community and the city about it so they can come and enjoy it too. And so we're asking you to take these cards with you. You can take as many on the seats as you can. Take them with you when you see kids or families, invite them to come, and especially for that Sunday, October 16th service. Do you believe we're talking about October already? Well, 
Christmas is coming. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> I shouldn't have said that. No, not no one will listen to anything else I have to say, right? But uh, make sure you, you do that and invite kids. Also, uh, as you were coming in or, and, and in the foyer, they're available. These are our life group brochures. Life groups begin next Sunday. Life groups are, are our small groups where we get together in people's homes. We get together in restaurants. We get together wherever the group wants to meet, and we build relationships. We grow together in God. And so our theme is don't do life alone. Get in a group. And so you can go ahead and fill those out. You can go to our website and, and register on, on there. Pick a group. Get into a group. It's not the group and it's not the subject. It's not the curriculum that matters. It's the relationship that matters. It means more than anything. Amen. And so make sure you get into a group. Amen. Are you quiet this morning, or is that me? Yeah, I watched football almost all afternoon yesterday, and I was yelling and screaming, and maybe I'm just too used to people yelling and screaming, but you know, you can talk back to me when, we, when I preach and talk, and we can get excited. We're in church. I mean, you know, the greatest victory is not on the football field. The greatest victory is in the kingdom. Amen? Amen. Amen. I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. You can also at the same time go to your Uversion app in your in your phone, go to in your whatever device you brought with you, go to your Uversion app, and if you'll go to the bottom where it says more, click that, go to events, you'll see New Life Church. The message notes for today are there for you to take home, to make notes. And uh, so anyway, turn to Ephesians 1. How many of you and I'm, I'm, I'm probably every hand will be raised with this, but how many of you are familiar with the story of Lazarus? How many Lazarus being raised from the dead, right? Every, one more time. Amen? Okay. How many of you will not put your hands up no matter what I say? Okay, no, never mind. Okay. Lazarus is one of the stories we all learned in Sunday school growing up in kids' church, and, and it's one of those great stories of the Bible. But I want, to, I want you to think of it, this story today from a different point of view. Have you ever thought about what took place in the tomb before the stone was rolled away? What was taking place? You know, Lazarus was dead. He had been dead four days. He had been put behind this, this he had been put in a tomb behind a stone and but at some point in the midst of what was going on, some, at some point in that tomb, with the stone in front of the opening of that tomb, something began to take place in that, in that tomb. In the darkness of that tomb, something took place in there. The Spirit of God, I believe, began to overshadow Lazarus. I believe life began to come back into him. He had been dead. He was dead. Life began to come back in him. All of a sudden, I, believe, I just believe he, he all of a sudden took a gulp of, of breath and, and breath came back into him. I believe that his eyes all of a sudden opened and realized he was in the darkness of a tomb. And then all of a sudden he hears this voice, this eternal voice that will ring through in the midst of a tomb, in the midst of a problem, in the midst of everything. And he says, Lazarus, come forth. And all of a sudden, Lazarus walked out of the tomb. The stone was rolled away. You see, what we know from the Bible is what took place outside. We know that 
that the people had called for Jesus, and he took his merry time getting there, didn't he? Remember that story? He didn't rush. Took him two days to decide to get there. And even when he did come, he didn't go straight to the tomb. We know that the people, his sisters, Mary and Martha, were crying, and people were, were mourning the death uh, of this man because he was dead. He was literally dead. He was in his grave clothes. Grave clothes covered his entire body, his mouth, his, his eyes covered him. He was in the tomb four days, and his sister said, when Jesus says, roll the stone away, his sister said, but master, he's dead. There'll be a stench. You see, they knew he was dead, and what happens when, he take, when he's dead? But there was something taking place inside the tomb. Jesus hadn't called him forth. Jesus had only come drawing near to that, and people had sent for him. There was something taking place in that tomb that we today would look at and say, that's a mystery. That's a mystery. I imagine that something similar took place in Jesus' tomb. You know, Jesus was dead. He had grave clothes. He was in the darkness of a tomb. Are you hearing me, church? But in the darkness of that tomb, life began to stir. And he breathed the breath, and his eyes were open. The Bible says Jesus got up and folded, took off his grave clothes, folded the, the grave clothes that was on his head, his head cloth, and he just folded it and put it down. He says, now, nah, I'm not going to do this dead thing. Right? You see, what happened in that tomb is a mystery. There's a lot of mysteries in the Bible. And, and how, many, how often do you look at, you read through the Bible and you see something that is a, is a mystery, it doesn't make sense. And how often do you put yourself in the middle of that, watching it? You think, what, what was happening what was happening in the middle of that? What, what was happening in the valley of the dry bones with Ezekiel? What happened? What began to happen when, when all of a sudden those dry bones started growing flesh again? The Bible says sinews and tendons and ligaments, and all of a sudden they started growing. What happened? It's a mystery. What happened when... The widow's dead son, when Elijah stretched out his body over the widow's dead son, what happened inside that son? He was dead. It's a mystery. What happened when the woman with the issue of blood, what happened between the time she got on her knees and began to crawl towards the hem of Jesus' garment? What happened inside of her that caused her to be healed when she touched the hem of his garment? You see, that's all a mystery. We don't know that. We don't read about that. It's a mystery. It's a mystery. These are all mysteries. You see, what we read about, what we hear about is what takes place on the outside in the seen world. And if we're not careful, 
we begin to have more of an, uh, an attachment, a more of a connection, more of an understanding with the seen world than we do the unseen world. But understand something, the greater reality, and you have to take this by faith, the greater reality is not in the seen world, the greater reality is in the unseen world. And I say that because the, in, it is in the, the seen world. Jesus says the seen world will pass away. But the unseen world will last forever. Are you hearing me, church? Believers, too many believers often think of the invisible realm as an idea, but not a reality. I want to tell you, the unseen world is a reality that we need to learn to live in and we need to learn to accept and we need to learn to ponder and think about and consider what is happening. You know, you pray for healing. You pray, God, I want you to, I'm asking you to heal me or I'm asking you for a miracle of this job. But somewhere between, somewhere between your asking and your prayer, something's taking place if that, that is only going to take place by faith by your faith how often did Jesus stop and say it is your faith that's made you well it's faith that's healed you something took place between the time the, the blind man cried out and he, 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 when he was healed something took place in his eyes something took place physically that was unseen and this is what you, we in the church have got to grasp a hold of and understand. Faith, faith is good to stop and say, God, I believe you're going to heal me. But you've got to have faith that will carry you through. You've got to be on your knees in faith and battling for that space between then and the reality of your miracle. Yeah. Are you hearing me, church? Amen. Last week we began a series uh, out of, uh, on the book of Ephesians. I mentioned we're going to take it real slow because the book of Ephesians is a phenomenal book. And I believe, I, I really believe that, that God has called us into the season of the book of Ephesians for a purpose because he wants to do something new at New Life, okay? He wants to do, how, we're going to change our name, the New New Life, okay? <laughs> so it'll be the New New Life, okay? But the book of Ephesians, the theme of the book of Ephesians is the mystery of the church. The church is a mystery. If you, all you see is the church as something natural, a natural club, a natural organization, you'll never understand the unseen aspect of what's taking place in the church. Are you hearing me? The word mystery appears 22 times in the New Testament, and it's translated from a Greek word, mysterion. And mysterion simply means a secret, a secret, that's, that's what it means, it's a, it's a secret. How many know it was a secret what was taking place in Lazarus' tomb? It was a secret, it was a mystery. How many know it's a secret what's taking place in your life when you begin to pray for that healing or pray for that miracle, pray for your kids, pray what, it's a secret, it's a mystery that is taking place, but it doesn't end at the point you ask or believe, that's where it begins. And we've got to faith it through, if you will. We've got to faith it through to reality. You see, the miracles we see in the Bible are within our own eyes because many of us have experienced miracles. How many have experienced and seen 
miracles. I've seen miracles. I've seen demon-possessed. I've seen them restored and and healed. I've seen seen deformed arms straightened. I've seen miracles. But I'm going to tell you, I don't see them with the frequency that we should. Are you hearing me? Because there's a, there's a mystery in the church and, and we've got to learn to live in that mystery. But the mysteries that we've seen in the Bible or the mysteries that we've seen with our own eyes are simply, are simply uh, the, are the, the miracles we've seen in the Bible or the miracles we've seen in our own are simply the revelation of the mystery. I gotta say it again because I got that mixed up. I want you to hear it right. The miracles we've, we see in the Bible, the miracles we've seen with our eyes are simply the revelation of the mystery. See, the mystery, the miracle didn't take place at the asking or the problem. The miracle took place in between there and the, and the reality, the revelation of what took place. The miracle itself is what took place in that meantime. Are you hearing me, church? That's the miracle. It's the revelation of mystery. Bill Johnson says, I said this last week, but it's so good. I want you to hear it again. Bill Johnson says, the level of revelation God gives you will always be equal to the level of mystery you're willing to live with. Most of us in the church are not willing, maybe I'm not saying that you you're, you're reject mystery, you re, but you're not willing to live in mystery and understand that space that takes place between the asking, between the need, and what takes between the reality. Are you hearing me? We've got to learn to be willing to live in mystery. Actually, we've got to be willing to love the mystery. Because I'm going to tell you, God's in the midst of the mystery. Bill Johnson also goes on to say, your inability to live with mystery is your resistance to childlikeness. And childlikeness is the only way to see and experience the kingdom of God. Remember Jesus says that? Unless you be converted and become as a child, you will no way see the kingdom of God. I want you to understand the kingdom of God is mystery. It's a mystery. It's not in the natural world. Now, I'm going to tell you, miracles are when the kingdom of God, when heaven, I put it this way because I like, this, I like the way it's when heaven leans over the balcony of heaven and kisses earth. Miracles happen. Are you hearing me? How many have ever experienced that moment, have seen that miracle, and what's happened is, is the kingdom just reached over and kissed the earth. There's an interaction. There's a change that takes place in the earth. We got to become like little children. Proverbs 25, 2, it says, it is the glory of God to conceal a matter. In other words, it is the glory of God to create mystery. God loves to create mystery. Why? Because it's the glory of kings to search out a matter. It's the glory of kings. How many kings do we have in here? Amen? It's the glory of kings to search. God creates mystery, so we'll search him out. Are you hearing me? God hides things in mystery for us to search out and discover. So the question for you this morning, the challenge for you is this question. How much mystery are you willing to live with? How much mystery are you willing to 
accept or tolerate in your life. Are you hearing me, church? You're saying, Pastor, this is, this is spooky. Man, I'll tell you. If we get caught up in the natural world, the things of the kingdom, you know, remember it's the Holy Ghost. Amen. <laughs> Amen. There's an unseen realm, and we're going to be talking about that a lot. So turn in your Bibles to Ephesians. I know I'm going long in this opening here, but the theme of the book of Ephesians is the mystery of the church. Hear me, church. The theme of, of chapter one in Ephesians is the position, our position in Christ. How many know you, we have a position in Christ? Okay, so we're talking about the mystery of the church, but what is our position in the middle of that? That's why I keep asking you to, to see where you fit in. Where are you in the stories of the Bible? Where are you in the mysteries of the Bible? Where are you in those stories? The Lord speaks to the prophet Habakkuk and he says, write the vision. You could change that word vision to mystery. Write the mystery. Make it plain on tablets that he may run with it who reads it. For the vision or mystery, for the mystery is yet for an appointed time. The mystery is yet to be revealed, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. The, the revelation of the mystery will speak and it will not lie. Though it tarries, space between, though it tarries, wait for it because it will surely come. It will not tarry. The vision or mystery of the church is for us to seek out, discover, write, and run with. How many of you remember last week I gave out these books? Did you get one today? If you didn't get a little notebook like this, put your hand up right now, and I'm going to ask Gabby to run and give them, give them out. You'll get one. If you didn't get it, you can always get one as you leave today, but Gabby will we'll get one. These are little notebooks, and the purpose of this notebook is over the next few weeks as we study out Ephesians, the purpose of this notebook is for you to write the mystery as God allows you to see it, the mystery of the church, the vision of the church. I'm going to tell you, God is, is giving us a new vision for the future. He's causing us to walk a new walk. It's the new, new life, right? Amen? And so write it. But here's the real, here's the key to this book and the reason we, we did this. I want you to ask God where you are at in the middle of the vision and write that down. You see, it does you no good to write the vision of the church or to write the vision of where we're going unless you are in that story. So write it down. What's your part in it? Where are you, what are you doing in it? Amen? You see, vision is seeing things not yet done and declaring them until they become reality. Amen? Okay, so finally, we're getting to the book of Ephesians. My points are short this morning. Well, you know, relatively short, right? Okay, Ephesians 1, verse 1. Read along with me. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. Just as he chose us 
in him before the foundations of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself according to the good pleasure of his will and to the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Father, we, we pray, Father, today. Lord, we, we understand and we know, especially in this passage, that we read it in the natural, but Lord, there is way more in the spirit and the unseen, in the supernatural. God, reveal that to us today. Lord, I pray that every person here would open their hearts Lord, to the mysteries that you have concealed for us to discover. Help us, Lord. Guide us, Lord, today. Help us to receive what you want us to receive. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. The title of my message this morning is In Heavenly Places. In Heavenly Places. The Apostle Paul writes in verse 3, Blessed be the God of our Father, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Now, first, I want you to, I want you to notice that we have been, that's past tense, we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing. That's a fact. It's a fact in the unseen realm. Maybe in the natural, you're saying, well, I, I'm really not blessed with every spiritual blessing. But Paul declares that we are. He tells us in truth that we are. We are blessed with every spiritual blessing. Now, every spiritual blessing is what, uh, what is referred to as an umbrella term in the Bible. It's an umbrella term because it covers every spiritual blessing. How many is, the, is every spiritual blessing? Every spiritual blessing. Now, that encompasses the power of the Holy Spirit. How many know there's no limit to the power of the Holy Spirit? You have been given, you have been given the spiritual blessing of the power of the Holy Spirit to live in, to walk in. It, it encompasses the gifts of the Holy Spirit. It encompasses the resources of the Holy Spirit. How many know that, that there's, there's gifts and there's power stored up in heaven that is readily accessible to each one of us if we believe and if we seek them out? The term in heavenly places, the title of the message, is the invisible and unseen realm. In heavenly places is this unseen realm. So where are these gifts? Where, are the, where is this power? Where are these resources? They're in the unseen realm. Are you hearing me? So if you will connect with the mystery of God, is this making any sense to you guys? If you will if you will begin to, to hunger and, and want to see and, and connect with, with God in this unseen realm, it's the spiritual realm. If you will begin to, to seek after the things that are hidden by God 
as a king, if you, if you consider yourself to be a king in his kingdom, to be a servant, to be a representative of his kingdom in the earth and will go after the mysteries of the unseen realm, you will find that every, every spiritual blessing is available to you right now. Not based on how good you are, how great you are, you know, what you do. It's available right now. Jack Hayford says, listen to this carefully. The invisible realm, how many know who Jack Hayford is? Okay, some of you guys do. Jack Hayford is, is uh, I mean, a long time, long time man of God. He's, he was one of my mentors. And, and, uh, but anyway, Jack Hayford says this. This invisible realm, referred to as in heavenly places, this invisible realm is where your greatest enemies, the demonic host, are, and where the host of angels are sent by God and come to your defense. It is the realm where the promise of God's word and gifts of the Spirit are available, okay? So what I want you to see and understand what, what Hayford is saying here is this Every heavenly places is this area, the space around you, okay? And in this space around you is where the demonic forces come to attack you. Are you hearing me? But it's also where it's that same place that, that God assigns his angels to come and to protect you and fight for you and defend you same space okay how many ever experienced spiritual attack right Hayford's saying it's happening in this spiritual realm that's around us and it's the same place where angels God dispatches angels to come and help you and fight why does the enemy attack you in that realm because you have every spiritual blessing available in that realm, in that place is where those blessings are available. All the gifts of God, all the gifts of the Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit, it's available in this spiritual realm, these heavenly places. And the enemy says, I don't want you to have access to any of that because when you do, you'll become like Jesus in the earth. You'll heal the sick, you'll raise the dead, you'll cast out demons. You'll declare my word and it shall happen. And so the, the demonic forces, their assignment is to thwart all of those gifts, all of that takes, and God says, uh-uh, I'm sending my angels to defend you, but you have to engage and understand and, and be aware of what's taking place in that mystery. It's all a mystery, church. It's all a mystery. All of this, the enemy's attack, the angelic defense and the access of God's promise, all this takes place because of our position in Christ. Our position in Christ. Now, I'm not talking about titles or job descriptions. I'm talking about a position or place in which we have in Christ because of his place in, in, the, in the kingdom. Are you hearing me? Amen. We have to be in Christ to have position in Christ. 
and to have access to the things that Jesus wants us to have access in heavenly places. Are you grasping this? You're going to need your notes this week, aren't you? And you're going to need to go to our website and listen to this message again. I'm going to need to go and listen again. But I want you to see today there's three there's three parts of this the, the, in this, uh, the verses that I've read to you, uh, three aspects of the position we have in him and which becomes foundational in our, in our standing or our position in Christ. And they're gonna be really quick, so get them fast, okay? First is we are chosen in him. Doesn't matter if what your background, how much sin you've done, how bad you have been, where you've come from, what you've done. It doesn't matter. His verse four says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. You know, every one of us have done something that we're ashamed of. Every one of us have sinned. The Bible says we've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And if you don't believe that, then that's your sin. Because every one of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And the enemy wants to take our sin and he wants to magnify and say, well, my sin's so much greater than everybody else's. But that's the way he begins to defeat you. Between these two things, between your ears. You see, we were created and chosen in Christ, this passage says, before the foundation of the world. You were created and chosen. You were picked, handpicked by God before the world was. This is what this passage says, before the world was, you were chosen and picked. Before the world was, we were in Christ. You were created to be in Christ. Wherever you're at in life right now, you, your purpose was to be in Christ. That's a mystery. That's a mystery. How could I do what I've done? How could I be who I've been but have been purposed from the very beginning before the foundation of the world to be in Christ? How? That's a mystery. But we were created and chosen, he says, to be holy to be without blame. That is our position. We were chosen. And I want you to know that being chosen before the foundation of the world to be holy and without blame is part of the rock we stand on that gives us position from the point we ask until the point that we see the revelation of the mystery, which is the miracle because it's in the midst from, from asking to the revelation that the enemy says, you're not good enough. This won't happen. And it's because of this and it's because of that. Are you hearing me, church? Yes. So first, we are chosen. Second is we are predestined to be sons. We are predestined, he says, to sonship. Verse five says, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Christ Jesus, to himself according to the good pleasure of his will. Now, this word predestined confuses everybody. People have, have taken it in different directions, but predestined here, I want you to understand predestined, what it means. In order to understand it, you, and understand predestined or predestination, you also have to understand sonship. 
You cannot understand predestination outside of understanding sonship. And I'm going to make it really simple here today. Predestined means you were purposed. That's all it means. That God purposed it in his heart for you to be holy and without blame. He purposed, he predestined you. He said, you can be holy and you can be, you can be whole and you can be healed and you can be, you can be uh, as I created you to be. You are predestined or you're purposed, you're created for that. He set that up and he said, this is your purpose. Are you hearing me, church? Amen. Sonship means I have free will to do whatever I want. You can't ever understand predestination without understanding sonship. You say, sonship means I'm not a slave. Are you hearing me? You see, a slave can, has to do what the master says. So a slave would be enslaved to, to, to do what God, the way he purposed, the way he created us, a slave would. A son has free will to choose. That's the difference. If we understand predestination in the light of sonship and that we were predestined for adoption as sons, then we can understand what this means. This is all accomplished. Listen, hear this. It's all accomplished according to the good pleasure of his will. You see, a son says, you know, I've been rebellious. I've gone off. I've lived with the pigs. You know the story, right? I've lived with the hogs. I've eaten the pods and all that stuff. I'm a, but I'm a son, and I have a father, and I can come back by his grace, by the grace of the father. I can come back. Because, why? Because he purposed for me to come back and to be a son. But I have the free will to do whatever I want. See, we were chosen in him and predestined to be sons. Are you hearing me, church? Is this too much? Okay. Third, we are accepted in the beloved. Verse 6 says, To the praise of the glory of his grace by which he made us accepted. Say accepted. In the beloved. By the grace of God we have been accepted. By the grace of God, we have been accepted. How many know without the grace of God, all we have is, is our sin? By the grace of God, all we have is the price for sin, which the Bible says is death. By the grace of God, we've been accepted back as sons. By the grace of God, we've been accepted as holy. By the grace of God, we've been accepted as pure, just like Jesus standing before him. We were chosen in him, predestined as sons because he's accepted us by his grace. By his grace. The reason I, I think I'm looking at and faces and I'm going, and everybody's like, hmm. And the reason you're gonna have to go back and take these notes and you're gonna go have to listen to this and you're gonna have to read this passage of scripture again this week is because this is changing a lot of the way we think. It's, I believe God is, 
is, is wants to change our hearts and our minds and the way we think to make us more aware of the unseen realm, to make us more aware of, the, of spiritual heavenly places, of everything that is available to us. You see, you'll never understand what is available to us until you understand the heavenly places. And what I'm trying to do today is to get you to see, to get you to change the way you think so that every day you don't, want, you don't get so connected with the natural world that you forget about the unseen world, the greater world, and you connect with it because that's where every spiritual blessing is. It's in the heavenly places. I'm gonna ask the worship team to go ahead and come back up. The apostle Paul addresses this letter to the saints at the church at Ephesus, to the saints. How many saints do we have here? I'm gonna ask you that question again. I'm gonna tell you though, the word saint used here, the definition of that means those who have been separated from the world and connected to the worship and service of God. Sainthood doesn't mean I've been saved. I'm going to say it again. Sainthood doesn't mean I've been saved. He addressed this to the saints, to those who willingly, because of free will, willingly separated themselves from the mindset of the world, from the, the connections of the world, from the tendencies of the world, from the aspects of the world, who, who willingly separated from that and have consecrated themselves to the things of God, consecrated them, themselves to the service of God. Does that make sense? That's the saints. That's who he wrote this letter to. And it's a mystery. It's all a mystery. It's a mystery that we have to accept. It's a mystery we have to connect with. It's a mystery that we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. That's a mystery. But I want you to understand today, God has so much more. When I was uh, a teenager, I was staying with a friend for a few months out in Missouri. And we went caving. I'd never been caving in my life. And, and uh, of course, I was a young teenager and stupid. And, you know, today I would probably never do that because we didn't have ropes or anything. We just went caving. So this cave, the opening to this cave was big enough for us to crawl through. And we crawled on our bellies through through this cave way back and all of a sudden it opened up into this huge room and we had to have flashlights because it was dark okay I want to tell you that every spiritual blessing is like that we have to go through our natural minds we've got to get through the issues of, our, of the limitations of our natural minds. And we have to, to crawl through that. We have to get through that. We have to get away from that. And then all of a sudden, this begins to open up into this big realm, this huge unending realm called heavenly places. Jesus says, that's where you're meant to live. That's where you're meant to be aware of is those heavenly 
places. The question again is how much mystery are you willing to live in? Tomorrow, every day, how much mystery are you willing to live in? We're going to take and share communion in just a moment. So I want you to get your communion cups. But church, I want you to understand the church is called to mystery because the church is a mystery. We're called to mystery because God wants us to experience and have access to miracles. There's not enough miracles taking place because we don't accept the mystery of what happens between the asking and the declaring and what happens between the revelation of that mystery that is the miracle. And God is saying, I want you to be more aware of the mystery. I want you to live in that mystery and then there'll be miracles. When Jesus called his disciples to the upper room, he was not calling them just to eat a dinner with him. Are you hearing me? And what he presented to them was a mystery. In fact, the ancient church referred to what we're about to do. We call it the, you know, we may call it the Last Supper. We may call it communion or the Lord's table. But the early church called it the mystical supper. The mystical, why it's a mystery. Why is it a mystery? Because Jesus said, Jesus took the wafer. It's a mystery because Jesus says, this is my body. Take it in your hand and just say, Lord Jesus, this is your body. I take you into me. So let's partake. And he took the cup. He didn't say, this is the cup of wine or the cup of juice. He says, this is the cup of my new covenant with you. My new deal with you. You become a new person. This is the cup of the new covenant because it's a transformation that has to take place in our minds and our hearts to see the kingdom of God. He was giving it to his, his disciples because they had to see the kingdom of God before they can go out and expand the kingdom of God. When you receive this today, I want you to pray this prayer. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I take of your cup the new covenant and I ask you to open my heart and my mind to every spiritual blessing in heavenly places that you have given to me in Jesus name let's partake